Anyone excited for Christmas? Excited for Christmas? I love, I love, love, love Christmas, by the way. I love Christmas decorations. Not putting them up, but looking at them. Can I get a witness up in here? Yeah. Love looking at them. I love Christmas movies like Elf and Christmas Vacation are at the top of my list. I love Christmas songs, both the, the uh, spiritual ones and the secular ones. And every year, I love Christmas services here at Element Church. Before I give you those details, though, uh, let me welcome those of you who are new today and introduce myself. I'm Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. Thank you so much uh, for choosing Element today. And for everyone who is here, whether you're right here in the room with us or whether you're joining us on video somewhere, so glad that you've chosen to spend some time with us. This coming Sunday, there are five incredible Christmas Eve services for you to choose from. I am so excited for our Christmas Eve services this year. Uh, the theme for Christmas Eve is the same theme as our sermon series, Silent Night. And we're focusing on the peace that Jesus came to bring us. I'm also going to be giving a very clear gospel presentation at the end of Christmas Eve services, inviting people to put their faith in Jesus. And because of that, on your way out today, in fact, on your seats when you came in, were little invite cards for Christmas Eve. And I want to challenge all of us to take that invite card and invite someone to come with us to Christmas Eve services. Even if you're not able to attend, you're going to be out of town or whatever, I still challenge you, pray about someone you could invite to come to Christmas Eve this coming Sunday. We have plenty of these invite cards, so for the more extroverted, aggressive people in the room, uh, you can take a stack of them as you go. Take three, four, five, use them this week. We'll, we'll probably have some left over, come in the office. We'll, we want to get rid of all of these inviting people to Christmas Eve. Now, if you use Facebook and you have your smartphone with you, everyone take out your smartphones. Play along. This is an all skate right now. Remember that? All skate. All skate. Not couples, but all skate. Okay? Yeah, everybody knows what I'm talking about. We all just got panicked from the junior high memory right there. So take out, take out your phone. I want you to open up your Facebook app or go to your browser. Put in Facebook.com. Go there. And then go to our Element Church Facebook page is Element Church WY. So on Facebook, just search Element Church WY. And there's a post pinned to the top of our feed there. If you're on Facebook, I want you to share that post. I'm going to do it right now as well. I'm going to share that. I want us to saturate social media uh, with Christmas Eve. So here we go. Check this out is what I'm typing. And we're going to post this to Facebook. And so if you go ahead and do that, that would be fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Now, I don't know about you as you're finishing up sharing that. Uh, I don't know about you, but winter not only gets me excited for Christmas, it gets me excited for snow skiing as well. I love to go snow skiing. I don't get to go as much as I would like, but we typically head up to the slopes at least one time a year, and I consider myself a better than average skier, but that's not always been the case. In December of 1996, I was in college. Uh, I had gone with our church youth group to a youth conference in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and we planned one day of skiing after the conference up at Copper Mountain Ski Resort west of Denver. It's one of my favorite places to go ski. At the time, I was dating Sabrina, who is now my wife. She was not on the trip with us, but her little brother Ryan was. And Ryan had never been skiing before. In fact, he was quite anxious about his first time skiing. So I did what any good future brother-in-law would do. I took Ryan under my wing. I assured him it would be okay not to waste his one day of skiing by getting a ski lesson. I would teach him how to ski. 
That's called foreshadowing and storytelling. Because you need to know that I had been skiing a grand total at this time in my life, two times in my life at this time. So we get all of our skiing gear. We head out to the ski lift, of which I had no real experience on in my life. And it seemed like, since Ryan was most nervous about getting off of the ski lift, that's where I would focus. And so I put my ski instructor hat on, and I told Ryan, like, don't worry, it's easy. When you get to the top, this is how I taught him to ski, just put your skis down and go. <laughs> put your skis down and go. So we get in line, make our way to the front of the line. There's only two of us, most lifts, you can take three people. And so this little girl, about this high, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, she joined my brother-in-law on the lift. It was Ryan, it was myself in the middle, and then this little girl next to us. And the whole way up the lift, I'm trying to reassure Ryan, it's okay, when you get to the top, just put your skis down and go. Put your skis down and Go. So you got it, right? Now you can all go skiing right now, whether you've ever been or not. So we get to the top. I put my skis down and I went all right, but not how I had dreamed of it going in my mind. So I put my skis at the ground. They stayed there for all of, I don't know, about a half a second when both my skis were in the air, I was parallel to the ground. I grabbed the girl next to me, threw her to the ground, <laughs> fell on top of her. Our skis were all tangled up. They stopped the lift behind me, had to come and pull me off this poor soul that I had crushed with my entire adult weight on top of her. It was an absolute disaster of epic proportions. If there were cell phones at the time, I would have been a YouTube sensation for sure. Thankfully, there is no evidence other than me telling you the story. Now you're thinking, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Well, here's, here's how it relates. As I was thinking about the subject we're going to deal with today, I was reminded of that story in my life. Because I think the way I approach Ryan to teach him about skiing is how we many times approach people who are suffering from worry, depression, or anxiety. Many times we give the easy answer. Just put your skis down and go. Like, get over it. Suck it up. Life's great. Just be better, right? We say that. I think sometimes, especially we, when we are not ourselves experiencing what they are experiencing, we offer easy answers to very complex, painful, and deep-rooted issues in people's lives. But if we were to put ourselves in their shoes and experience the same things and use our own advice on ourselves, it would look a lot like me getting off that ski lift. An absolute disaster. So whether it's the everyday worries of life that we face or whether it's the diagnosed cases of anxiety and depression, we need to understand today there is no easy answer. There are no quick fixes to this. I can't give you three steps to breaking free from anxiety and you'll never suffer from it again. I can't tell you a prayer to pray or words to say and all your depression is gone never to return again. I wish that was the case. Now, is there freedom in Jesus? Absolutely there is. Can God bring healing and restoration and peace into these areas of unrest in our lives? 100%. But depression and anxiety, these things are byproducts of the fall. When Adam and Eve sinned, it brought corruption into every area of our life. 
including our mental and emotional health. In fact, right now, mental health is an epidemic in our country. It really is. That's no exaggeration. For instance, approximately 30% of the adult population in America, just adults, 30% has an anxiety disorder of some kind. 43% of Americans take medicine, uh, mood-altering medicine, not just for anxiety, but depression and other mental illnesses as well. Over the last decade, 10 years, anxiety has overtaken depression as the most common reason college students seek out counseling. Also, in the last decade, 10 years, the number of hospital admissions for suicidal teenagers has doubled in 10 years. Many medical professionals attribute that statistic to what one article called a glut of anxious and overwhelmed students. And don't feel bad if you don't know what glut means. I didn't know either. I looked it up. It means, it means an abundance, an abundance of anxious and overwhelmed students. So worry, depression, anxiety, it's an epidemic. And you're thinking, wow, Jeff, you are so encouraging. Like, if I didn't feel depressed before today, I sure am now, so now the sermon's relevant. Thank you very much. So let me, let me hopefully start to shift the room a little bit, okay? There is going to be some hope in this message, I promise. If you are here today, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether it's been diagnosed or not, if you are here and you struggle with or you have struggled with worry, depression, or anxiety, I want you, first of all, to know that, man, we are with you, we are for you, and we love you unconditionally as you are. I want you to know that. If you struggle with those things, uh, worry, depression, anxiety, you have to know this. It does not make you a horrible person. It actually makes you human. It makes you human. I think even God acknowledges that in his word. The apostle Peter in 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, give all your worries and cares to God. Some English translations use the word anxiety. Give all your anxiety and cares to God for he cares about you. That God is not mad at you when you are worried or anxious or depressed. In fact, God moves towards you in those times. He wants to be near you and, and, and help you. Psalm 34, 18, another great one that I love, says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And I know there might be someone thinking, well, it's easy for you to say, Pastor Jeff, you're a pastor. Like these things don't happen to pastors and their families. So before you think a pastor or his family is immune from all this, you need to know this affects us just the same. So I asked my dad for permission to share this today. He'll be in the 11 a.m. service. He gave his permission, but clinical depression runs in the men of the Manus family, every generation. Praise the Lord, it's been diminishing every generation, even down to myself. I've had small seasons where I've been depressed, but I've not ever been diagnosed with that. My dad was diagnosed with depression, he actually takes medication for it. His dad was depressed. His dad my great-grandpa Silas Manus was a pastor, and he had it the worst. Massive amounts of depression. 
On my wedding day, my dad gave me this. It's my great-grandpa's ministry journal from 1936 to 1938. It's unbelievable. The pages are almost falling apart. But, but in this journal, he, he kept track of his monthly statistics in ministry. Number of sermons preached, people he prayed for, for healing. Number of people who put their faith in, in Christ. And you read some of the things God was doing in and through my great-grandpa Silas. It's amazing. In April of 1938, he recorded 17 people in his little church in Springfield, Illinois, put their faith in Jesus. Unbelievable things happening. And yet even in the midst of God working in and through my great-grandpa's life, he battled massive amounts of depression. In talking with my dad this week about it, my dad told me that my great-grandpa's depression got so bad at one point he couldn't even feed himself. His family would spoon feed him. He couldn't even raise his hands. He was so depressed. In February 2016, my wife was diagnosed with anxiety. And for six months, she was on medication to level her emotions out and simply to try to calm her down. At church one day, she had a panic attack and literally believed she was going to die there in her seat. Just had an absolute panic attack and have had several since. There were so many days in that season that she was so depressed and so anxious she couldn't even get out of bed. She would just lay there and cry and cry and cry. She has since found a lot of healing through prayer counseling, God kind of revealing the root of some of that anxiety and depression and bringing healing to her life. She has now been off medication for the last 18 months of life, but it's not gone away completely. Like God is still bringing healing and restoration to her life. All that to say, this is not something saved only for people who don't love God or are not in ministry. (laughs) Like this affects everyone. There's no prejudice in where worry, anxiety, or depression attacks. And I know you're thinking, I thought you were going to make this better. It's not getting any better, Pastor Jeff. (laughs) So let's start. There's a little glimmer of hope, okay? Here's the big idea for today. uh, If you want to write it down, it's on the screens if you want to write it down, and it's this. The opportunities to worry are constant, but so is God's overwhelming peace. The opportunities to worry are constant, but God's overwhelming peace is as well. Isn't that true? Like, the opportunities to worry are everywhere. I have have four specific reasons in life to worry. Jonah, Mariah, Michaela, and Jada, right, called children. They cause worry all all. The time, that's actually, peace is actually the message of Christmas. It's what we're focusing on all through this this series. It's the biggest thing we're talking about, and we'll conclude it on on Christmas Eve. I love one of the prophecies about the Messiah found in Isaiah 9, verse 6. I love this prophecy. It speaks right into this issue of worry, anxiety, and depression. Isaiah 9, verse 6, about the coming of Jesus, says this. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. That there might be times in my life where I need to see a counselor, but Jesus is my Wonderful Counselor. He is Mighty God. There are times where all of my strength to endure is gone, but Jesus is my Mighty God. Everlasting Father, 
that church, I have the best dad on the planet. He has always been there for me, but one day he will be gone, but Jesus is my everlasting father, and he is prince of peace. There are times where I greatly need peace in my life, and not only can Jesus provide it, but he is the prince of it, the prince of peace. Amen, church? So, so the opportunities to worry are constant. They are always there. But God's overwhelming peace is as well. So in the midst of worry, here's the big question we have to ask. How do I access God's peace? Like, I want it. How do I access God's peace? If you got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It's about three-quarters of the way through the Bible. It's our main scripture for today. If you didn't bring a Bible, no worries. It's on the screens as well when we read it. If you don't own a Bible, man, we give you one for free. We do it every week. Ask for one from a volunteer at guest services or Next Steps wall. We'll get you a Bible for free today. Here in Philippians, God, through a man named Paul, is, gonna, is writing his clearest instructions on what to do when we worry. And notice I said when and not if. Because all of us, on varying levels, deal with worry. For some people, it leads to anxiety or depression. For other people, we don't have that struggle. But whatever the case, we deal with worry on varying levels. And here, Paul's writing to a group of Christians in a town called Philippi, hence the name Philippians. We are so creative with Bible names. So they themselves are facing a reason to worry. Because in their life, they are going through suffering, opposition, oppression, and threats upon their lives. It's important to note as well that when Paul wrote this, he was not writing from a lush resort on a beach somewhere. Paul was writing these words from a prison cell where he did not know if he would make it out alive. So Paul was not giving the easy answer. Paul's writing from experience of dealing with worry in his own life, okay? So we're going to read the two verses here, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this. Don't worry about anything, which first off sounds like me telling my brother-in-law how to ski, right? <laughs> Just stop worrying. It's too easy. But he doesn't stop there. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. We'll get to that in a second. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Here's the big word, then. Everyone say then. Then. then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So the opportunity to worry is constant, but God's overwhelming peace is as well. So in the midst of worry, how do we access God's peace? I'm going to give us three things today, okay? And please hear me, church. Please hear me. What I am offering today is not an end-all solution to anxiety and depression. What I'm offering today is a starting point for all of us. You with me? This will not cure you of depression, but it will be a great starting point for all of us when we experience any level of worry in our lives. So there's the first thing I see in what Paul said here, and it's this. Turn to God in your need. Turn to God in your need. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And as I was studying this passage, I 
looked up what the word worry meant in the original Greek language that Paul was writing here. And the word worry is an old Greek verb that can be used for worry or anxiety. That's why some versions actually say, be anxious for nothing. So don't worry, don't be anxious. He said, so that word is an old verb, which means to be divided or distracted. Which if you think about worry, that's what it does, right? Like worry actually distracts me from the only place where I can find victory, which is in Jesus Christ himself. Worry is a distraction that when I worry, I put my focus on the cause of my worry instead of on the one who can carry it for me or carry it with me. So Paul said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Or the way I'm viewing it in my own mind to help me is, in your worry, turn to God. Look to him. Look to him. So we need to understand what Paul meant by the word pray here. Because when I say pray, we all have our own definition of what that means. And so and Alexander McLaren, who is a theologian that wrote a commentary on this passage, I couldn't word it any better than he worded it. And this was so, so helpful to me in understanding what Paul meant when he said, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Here's what Paul meant by the word pray. It's on the screen so you can follow along because it's a little bit lengthy, but it's this. The phrase, pray about everything, does not mean a superficial act of religion with actual requests that follow. For a great many of us, that's the only notion we have of prayer, asking God to give us something we want. This here, what Paul's talking about, is a far higher communion than that, in which the soul seeks and finds or just sits and gazes at God. Where there is no spoken request for anything affecting the outward life, Only the prayer of silent submission in which the will bows itself before God. The prayer of quiet trust in which we do not so much seek as to simply hold on to our God. Isn't that good? Like when I say pray, we instinctively think of asking God to do all these things. But Paul was simply saying, when you worry, just simply hold on to the ever-changing, never-changing God. This reminds me of of a father to a child or a child to a father. So if you're a parent, you've experienced this. If you are not a parent, when you were a child, you experienced this, whether you realized it or not, okay? Whether you remember or not, you've experienced this. That in parenting, there are times when something happens that literally puts your child into a panic, okay? You've been there. A bad dream, a scary event, lost in the grocery store, ever been there? Like that puts parent and child in a panic, right? Like you've been, you've seen that before, you've experienced that before. Well, that ha- that's happened so many times in my parenting. Right? So when it, this doesn't happen like this way anymore because my kids are older and they would be embarrassed if I said it still happened this way. But when they were younger, this would happen where they would just be in a panic. And so I would get, I'd find them or they'd come to me, I would get down onto their level, right? And they come to you and they're looking all around and they've got tears running down their face and it's not running in their mouth. And they're doing that shaky, shaky cry. <laughs> and so what do you do? I've done this so many times. I'll grab their face and I'll say, just look at me. Look at me. And they're looking around like, no, look, look, look at me, look at me. Hey, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I'm here. I'm here. They start looking around. <laughs> like, hey, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I'm here. 
And what do they do? They just latch onto your neck and hold on for dear life. That's what Paul's saying here. Don't worry about anything. Don't be distracted by that. Instead, let me hold your face. Look at Jesus. Let him say, hey, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I'm here. I'm here. Which, by the way, is one of the greatest promises of Christmas. That we would be given a Messiah whose name is Emmanuel. God is with us. So when you worry, look to him. Turn to God. Let him grab your face and say, hey, hey, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I'm here. I'm here. The opportunities to worry are constant. But so is God's overwhelming peace. His overwhelming peace is as well. So in the midst of worry, how do we access God's peace? Turn to God. I've started doing this in my prayer time, by the way. I, I pray these verses over my wife every day. So when I'm praying them, I actually physically look, say, God, I'm looking to you. I'm looking to you. And this, it does something physically for me. Just calms my heart a little bit. Second thing I see in these verses is this. I've got to thank God for meeting needs. So turn to God in my need. Thank God for meeting needs. Philippians 2, 6b says this. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he's done. So the OCD people can now rest assured. I'm going to address this over here. So I brought this out here. I brought this out here for an illustration today. And this, this bucket here on top, this represents us. You, me, our lives. This bucket here of water, this represents worry, anxiety, and depression. And when worry and anxiety and depression come, it begins to literally fill up our lives, right? Like, no wonder we're overwhelmed. My bucket, my life, is full of worry. It's full of anxiety. It's full of depression. And Paul says, when your life is like this, don't be distracted, turn to God. Look to him. Let him say, I'm here, I'm with you, it's okay, I got this. Then he says, tell God what you need, which we're experts at, right? Like when this happens, we can tell him everything. Now fix this, fix that, change this, change that, solve this, solve that, right? What are we wanting? We're wanting him to get the water out of my bucket, right? That's what we want. And it's okay to tell God that's what you want. It's okay to tell God, get the water, I want the water out of my bucket. But Paul said, if you want peace, you can't stop at telling God what you need. You also need to thank him for what he's done. So what does that look like? I actually think when we begin to thank God for what he's done, it's actually speaking truth into and over our lives. So what if? What if when you experience worry, yes, you turn to God, God, I'm looking to you. I hear you say you're with me. Yes, tell God what you need. I want you to take the water out of my bucket. But what if we also started speaking truth into our lives? I've got these rocks representing truth in our lives. So what if you just learned a scripture verse? Maybe 1 Peter 5, 7. 
We read it at the very beginning of the service. Cast all your anxiety and cares upon God, for he cares about you. So God, right now, in this moment, I am overwhelmed with worry, depression, anxiety. But you said I could cast all my, my anxiety, my cares upon you, for you care about me. So in my anxiety right now, God, I know you are close to me, and I know you care for me. And you drop that. A little bit of anxiety just left your bucket. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord's close to the brokenhearted. He rescued those whose spirits, are, whose spirits are crushed. So God, right now, I thank you that my soul is saved. I've been forgiven. But even though my soul is saved, my spirit is crushed right now. But you said you're close to those whose spirits are crushed. So Lord, I'm claiming that right now. And you put that truth in a little bit of anxiety. You just left your bucket. My favorite verse, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God, for I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So right now, God, I thank you that in you, you are with me, that you strengthen me, and you hold me up with your victorious right hand. And a little bit of anxiety just left my bucket. Go back to two weeks ago where we were talking about being weary and tired and overwhelmed. And there's a verse where Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So God, right now, I am weary and worn out and tired, but you said, in you I can find rest. So right now, I'm claiming that in my life, I need your rest. And a little bit of anxiety just left my bucket. Now, I know you're thinking, man, when I'm feeling that way, I can't remember Scripture. So what if you just started claiming truth about who you are in Christ? Remember that. That, God, I thank you that because I put my faith in you, I am a child of the King. And a little bit of anxiety left my bucket. That, God, I thank you that because my faith is in you, you have a purpose for my life, even in the midst of this anxiety. And a little bit of anxiety just left my bucket. Lord, I know that even in the midst of this pain, you have a plan. And so I'm trusting you to have a plan for this. A little bit of anxiety just left my bucket. What if you can't think of those things, but all you can think of is a song? We sang two great songs today, by the way, at the end of our worship set. That, Lord, you are my cornerstone. That in the midst of a storm, you are my anchor that holds me firm. So I'm claiming you, my anchor, and a little bit of anxiety just left my bucket. Lord, you are the great I am, and there is nothing or no one that can stand in your presence. And right now, I can't even stand, but I'm bowing down before you, God, the great I am. And a little bit of anxiety just left my bucket. Lord, you conquered death hell, and the grave, and you live today, and a little bit of anxiety just left my bucket. And you might say, man, I can't even think of those things. So what if you just bring it down to the very, very simple thing? That, Lord, today, I'm not sure I even want to be alive, but I woke up today, so I thank you that you must want me to be alive, and today I have breath. Literally, every breath, you can thank God for breathing. And a little bit of anxiety leaves your bucket. That practice, by the way, has been the most helpful thing for my wife and I over the last two-year journey of anxiety that we have been going through together. My wife keeps a list on her phone 
of some powerful words of truth that when she starts to feel anxiety rise, she pulls out her phone and literally speaks truth over and into her life. And a little bit of anxiety starts to leave the bucket. Scriptures and statements and stuff that God's already done in our life that we can thank him for. Every day she repeats those again and again and again. In my prayer journal, I've wrote down what I call revelations of truth. Just things that I felt like God has spoken to me in seasons of worry and anxiety. I'm not going to read all of them to you. It would take too long. I, I probably have 30 statements on here that I read through. But here's some that I've just felt the Lord speak to me that helped me. I read these every day in my quiet time. Here's things I've just felt God say to me. You're worth it. You're mine. You're not alone. You're pleasing in my sight. You can trust me. You're in good hands, Jeff. You are free. The Lord gave me this one in a season where I was worried about my wife. I love her more than you do. God gave this to me in a season I was worried about our church. I love Element more than you do. Hello. Here's the last one I'll share. In a season of fear I was in, don't be afraid, Jeff. Take my hand. Take my hand. So the opportunities to worry are constant. But God's overwhelming peace is as well. And in the midst of worry, I can access God's peace by turning to him. God, I'm looking to you. There's an old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn to God. Thank God for what he's done. Start filling your bucket with truth rocks. I hope I see some rocks on social media this week. Just call it your truth rock. People will think you're crazy. It don't matter, right? You'll start to have a little bit of anxiety. Leave your bucket. The last thing I see in this passage is this. So I got to turn to God. Got to thank God. Number three, got to trust God as all I need. Trust God as all I need. The last verse, Philippians 4, verse 7, says this, Then, after you turn to God, after you thank him for what he's done, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Church, understanding this verse changed everything for me. Changed everything for me. Typically, we think of peace as the absence of problems, right? That that's what peace is. That I have a need, the need was met. There is a storm, the storm is gone. I was depressed, now I'm not. I understand that kind of peace, right? That's, that is peace. And God can do that, even does at times provide peace that way, the taking away of our problems, but that is not the peace that's promised. The peace that's promised is a peace that exceeds anything I understand. What I understand is peace on an earthly level. What God is offering is peace at, an, at a heavenly level. A peace that exceeds anything I understand. That the thing that's causing me to worry, the thing that's causing me to be anxious or depressed might not actually be gone. But in the midst of it, in here, I can still have peace. I can't explain that. I don't understand that. How the problem can still exist 
but my experience is peace. That's what God's offering us. He's not offering every time to take your problem away. What he is offering every time is his peace that exceeds anything I can understand in here. I can only feel it in here. So when is then? Well, I turn to God. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't be distracted by what causes worry. Look to the one who can carry it. So God, I'm literally, physically do this. I'm looking to you right now. I'm looking to you, God. I need you to tell me it's okay. And he'll take hold of your face and say, hey, 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 it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm here. I'm here. Somebody needs to hear that today. That he's still with you. I'm here. So don't worry about God. Pray about every. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Then thank God for what he's done. That God, my bucket is full of worry and anxiety and depression. And I'm asking you, God, to take it away. But I also will thank you for what you've done. Lord, I thank you that in you I'm not alone and I'm strengthened and you hold me up. That my weakness has turned to strength, my darkness has turned to light. Lord, I thank you that maybe today all I can muster is I have breath today. I thank you. Little by little, a little bit of worry, a little bit of anxiety, maybe a little bit of depression starts to leave the bucket. Church, we've got to keep rocks in our bucket. Got to keep rocks in our bucket. So after you do that, then, when you turn to God, when you thank Him for what He's done, then you'll experience peace that exceeds anything you can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Meaning, as you keep on doing this, His peace will guard your hearts and minds. Listen, church, you might still need to go to counseling. You might still need to have medicine prescribed. All I know is this, counseling is good, medicine can be good, but neither counseling nor medicine can reach as deep as the love of Christ can. And if you have one without the other, you will not experience true peace. You might need both, but you have to have God in the equation or you will never experience true peace. So I'm not quite sure how to close today, let's be honest. I know this is a very sensitive, very personal subject. So Lord, I need wisdom. I think there's value in I'm praying while I'm talking here. I think there's value in maybe exposing in light what we maybe have kept in darkness. And I'm not saying that if you acknowledge this, you've been keeping it in darkness, but until you acknowledge it to a room that's safe with brothers and sisters in Christ, you, it's just health in that. So I'm gonna ask, is there anyone here today who would say that you are going through, have gone through seasons of worry, anxiety, or depression, and you just want to bring it to the light and say, that's me and I want prayer. Anybody just say that. just want to raise my hand. Lots and lots and lots and lots. Wow. Okay. Okay. 
my hands up too. <laughs> Let me pray for you. God, I, I don't even know how to pray. Lord, there's, in a room this size, there are so many levels of this and depths that I, I can't fathom it, but you can. And Lord, this, what we talked about today is not a quick fix. It's not an end-all solution, but Lord, I pray it'd be a great starting point for us. So I, just collectively right now, Lord, we, so many of us raise our hands. Right now, we are turning to you. God, we look to you. I pray that each hand raised would hear your voice. I'm with you. It's okay. I'm with you. It's okay. I'm with you. It's okay. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. Lord, right now, we're breathing. That's a blessing. And if we're breathing, it means you have a plan for us today, regardless of how we feel. So I thank you, Lord, today I'm breathing. And Lord, now I pray that you bring peace to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would change circumstances, but more than that, I pray that you'd change our hearts. That we'd experience a peace we cannot understand. God, we love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If this sparked a need for prayer in you, and you want someone to pray for you today, stop by the purple tent in the back. We've got a great prayer team that'll pray for anything going on in your life. If you're new here, please stop by the living room on your way out. And then please don't forget to take uh, your invite card. And I'm challenging all of us to invite at least one person. There's some more at the door on the way out. We have an amazing service plan next Sunday, Lord willing. I'll see you here. If not, Merry Christmas. I love you guys. Have a great week.